Welcome, everybody, to Story Life. This is a podcast about the ups and downs of living a creative life through the eyes of two independent filmmakers, one of which is myself. My name is Clinton Cornwell. I'm one of those independent filmmakers, director of a couple feature films, many short films. I'm also head of the film program at Tennessee State University. I'm here with my co-host, Alan. Alan, introduce yourself. And the other pair of eyes belong to me, Alan C. Gardner. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I'm a producer. I'm an actor. I'm an editor. I'm also a, a post-production coordinator and, just like you know, a, a coach and consultant. Um... A man of letters, a wordsmith, <laughs> so on, so on and so forth. And now there a podcaster go. too. Yeah, now a podcaster too. There we go, folks. This is episode twenty-one, which was recorded on February second, twenty twenty-three, a mere month ago. At the time of this recording, uh, we are fortunate enough to speak with another fantastic guest, writer director Catherine Osman. And by God, Clinton, it was a delightful conversation. Before we get to the episode, just a reminder for everybody out there: me and Alan, we have a creative consulting business. We're a couple of kind gentle souls very sensitive souls i think it makes us uh, have a great disposition for for coaching and consulting so if you're in any need for artistic support whether it be notes on an edit or a script if you're an actor or director prepping for a shoot and you need some help with that preparation or if you need sort of a weekly or bi-weekly check-in with somebody to talk about creativity we are here Mm -hmm. for all of that we do free 30-minute consultations if you might think the fit is right so please hit us up at wearestorylife at gmail.com yeah let's let's team up we love connecting we love community that's you know part of the big reason why we're here doing this right now you're not talking to each other clinton so yeah please uh reach out connect let's keep growing and exploring and doing all these things together folks on that note let's dive into our conversation with Catherine. oh we're launching into whatever okay, you got cool. your spiel Going. spiel is or whatever i have to have a spiel Oh, no, no, you don't have to. I was not prepared for this. Uh, you just see me opening night of my play. They're like, yeah, you have to give a speech. And I'm like, oh, I feel like I've talked a lot, guys. Hello, my name is Catherine Osman. I go by Catherine professionally, but Rin is colloquially what I'm known as. That's a whole long story about how we got to Rin. Most people are confused by that, but it's really just instead of the front half of the name, it's just Rin, right. the second half, Right. which a lot of people are like, where on earth did you get Rin from? And I'm like, Kath, Rin. And they're like, really? Oh, I'm, that surprises me okay. that people are confused. About. <laughs> it's. I think if you don't see it, it's harder. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So yeah. So that's that's kind of where the name comes from. Speed it real quick on the question. Do you do you have name trauma? Like I, I did. So like Clinton and my last name's Cornwall. I had like kind of all kinds of name trauma being teased as like a kid growing up. Do you hate other short versions of Catherine? And so that's why you like came around to Rin. Yes. So I originally I was known by Katie, and my mom actually still calls me Katie. To this day, which is very confusing because I have, I changed before grad school, before going to FSU, actually. I walked in that day and decided on my first introduction. I was like, hello, I am Rin now. Uh, And so that was how that happened. So the first half of my life, I did go by Katie and I would get like Kate's and Kathy's and everything else. And I was like, no, absolutely not. Um, So yes, I do have a bit of name drama, but uh, I've found Rin feels like the most me. And then Catherine just sort of unifies all of my iterations of existence so far. Yeah, I like it. It feels more artsy, so it's, yeah. like, you know. Just to up the confusion factor, I'm going to start calling Clinton Clint. And no, you guys no, please. Lynn. Oh, God. The new and name trauma. Just, oh, you know, God. Let's let it fly. Let's get into this. What do you do? What's your thing? What's your deal, yo? Yeah, so I would describe myself as a writer-director, primarily of film, but I've dabbled in a bunch of different mediums that has looked like like short films as well as branded content, um, most recently theater. But most of my like writing and storytelling originated from novels, actually, and then through that found photography, which then trickled down into filmmaking. But I'm kind of a weird one just in the sense that even though a lot of my work has a unifying tone, everything I've done has kind of ranged in sort of this like weird kaleidoscope. So like, for example, to pay my rent, I work for UFC in live broadcast. Um, But before that, I worked in commercial production doing like remote commercials for Google and things like that. And before that, I wrote for newspapers. So like, it's just been kind of a journey in terms of who I am and what I do. But I would say most of the time I'm happiest when I'm telling like Twilight Zone-esque stories with a philosophical theme and strong character arcs. That's very specific. You got that. You got that. You got that. The story part, the, that what you're spiel. telling the story, that that's seems, very, yeah. very... I'm, I'm going to work on it. I'll come back later and be like, all right, so this is the real spiel. That's just the random spiel. You, so you went to school with Clinton. You guys knew each other from back then? Sort <laughs> of. Did we, ever, you know, did we cross paths that episode? 
No, that's the funny. You're you were you're one of my first years, first years. Uh, not to get uh, too deep into the for, the lingo. Now that's why I wanted to honestly. I thought of you as a guest because like we've interacted a few times over the years in like small ways. I think being in LA and crossing those kinds of paths and stuff, and being a part of the FSU network. But more, I've seen. God, power of social media, I guess, which I hate. But I've seen that you you work. You're, you're actually, you're one of the few people that is somewhat in my, like, FSU cohort who's like, actually creating stuff. Oh, nice. That's a big compliment because I feel like there's a lot of impressive FSU grads. But I know what you mean in the sense that, like, it's But, like, percentage-wise, it's not a high amount. And so I was like, hey, this is a person I kind of have been interacting with a little bit. But let's let's, you know an opportunity to get to know each other better and more importantly get some diversity on this podcast because me and alan are both very white very male <laughs> very very similar so yeah see you did you did a great thing because i'm a vampire so now you have all oh, you have species our first vampire <laughs> i'm kidding our first yeah. vampire our first vampire yeah this is the he means mon- we need more monsters on the pod you really so do. perfect i was oh, wondering why yeah. we had to schedule it so late in the day <laughs> yeah the sunshine just ignored it. it's actually a fake light <laughs> no that's super great yeah i think i think i've really enjoyed the fact that we've kept up together over the years sporadically and gotten to like see each other grow as filmmakers that's been super super cool and you're right social media is the worst but it's one of the only ways to kind of do that and like share what you're up to so it's yeah it's a necessary evil at this point it just takes so much energy from me every time i make a post i feel like i need to like figure out a way to get out over that hump and talk more because it's just so hard for me to make even like one post that i quickly find it draining i have the same associate with journaling though that i i'm not a good person at journaling because it takes a lot of energy for me maybe there's something i need to investigate about my creative process here i feel that way i i have always especially starting in in novel writing originally and kind of evolving into to writing scripts. I feel like that's a good way that people encourage you to learn to write is by journaling and just being like, go outside and write about this flower and whatever else you observe in the world and, and stretch your muscles that way and do it every day so that you're writing every day. And it's not ever been a, a thing that I'm good at, I think, because I I like to have a purpose when I write. And if I don't have a purpose, I'm sort of like, why am I here? And drift yeah. through space and kind of lose motivation that way. So you just finished directing a play. Congratulations. That's two awesome plays. that you went yes. out and did the two plays. Two. <laughs> two plays. It was a That's double awesome. bill, which we oh, don't Oh, okay. See you were directing both of them. New. Okay. Mm-hmm. Was that the first time you directed a play? It was. It was my first time directing theater and also writing a play, actually. I'd never I'd never written a play. So the first play I did not write. It was a new original by Ryan M. Bolt- Bolchewitz. I can never say his name properly. Ryan M. Bolchewitz. And the second was a play that I was asked to write by the theater company. And it kind of happened in a little bit of a domino effect in the sense that like, truth be told, there's nepotism involved. There's always nepotism involved. So the way it started was this. Scandic River Productions is a nonprofit theater company based in New York. It's made up of three board members, um, one of which I've known from undergrad for about 10 years. He was an actor. Now he's a producer for Sonic Union, which is a post audio house in New York that my sister is a sound mixer for. So they are both on the board as creative producers and technical directors. And then Colby J. Herschel, who is a composer in his own right, and then also um, the founder and one of the board members for Scantic. And their mission is to basically bring new artists opportunities to be involved in theater and to additionally create new platforms for theater because a lot of theater is like sort of, you know, highbrow uh, white people attending theater Mm -hmm. in New York specifically. And they started during COVID in the interest of bringing a way for performance to people who couldn't access it and also a given opportunity to their friends to create. So that's how they started a couple years ago. They decided they wanted to do an off-Broadway double bill with Ryan's play, Monsters Are Made in the Minds of Men. And originally they asked me just to write the secondary play because they knew I I write and they're like, maybe she wants to try her hand at playwriting. We'll see how that goes. Gamble. Good good on them, but big gamble. Um, (laughs) So I started that journey and then they're like, hey, what if you directed your play? And I was like, cool. And then they're like, hey, what if you directed both plays? And I was like, oh, damn. Well, here we are. (laughs) So that's how that worked. And it actually ended up being very cool because we could direct like a unifying experience around two separate plays. So as a filmmaker coming into that experience, did you have unique observations about the form or what was it like transferring your sort of filmmaking storytelling skills to the theater arena? Yeah, that's a, that's a big question because it's it's kind of like what the last three months of my journey have been experiencing. Take it any, really, any direction you want. It's, yeah. a, it's a lot. There's a lot I could talk about on that, but I, I will... Um, I will limit it to this. There was something really exciting that happened during Tech Week specifically where I had this feeling like I was a parent. And I've I've never been a parent, but I've only had uh, friends who are parents who describe to me what it's like to be a parent. And they often say, like, you you prepare your child as much as you can, right? You, you 
you try to teach them right from wrong, you try to make sure they don't make stupid choices, all of these things, and then you have to send them off into the world. And if they get addicted to drugs or whatever along the way, then you can help them after that, but they have to make their own choices. So with film, you get to kind of control the process every step of the way. So even if something isn't working when you shoot it, you capture it, you're like rewriting it, re-editing it in your head and saying, okay, I'll change the way that this perspective works when we get to post, I'll do it this way, it'll all flow in this really wonderful emotional arc that will achieve what I'm going for. Plays are not that way. <laughs> Once opening night hits, the director is useless. I mean, not like you can give notes after a performance or whatever, but if somebody forgets their line on stage, if someone does com something completely different, if they hit an arc in a whole different way that leads to the rest of the ensemble having to change their tone just to fit what's happening in the room, that is entirely up to them. So all you can do in the rehearsal process is try to prepare them and talk to them about what the emotional arcs are and how they relate to the people around them so that their choices can be informed by that. Because theater is meant to be alive. It's meant to be different every single time. And as a type A oldest child, I struggle with the need to want to control the tone of everything, hence why I'm a <laughs> filmmaker who controls everything. So it was a very freeing experience and a terrifying experience for that reason. Cool. Yeah, no, Sweet. that makes a lot of sense. Alan, did you have any follow-ups on that since you're thinking about jumping in and doing a play, right? And you've done some plays before, correct? Yeah. So I've written and directed two plays before and I co-wrote and co-directed a third and then I'm about Amazing. to, I just wrote and I'm about to direct another play and oh then we're going to do the movie version of you. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I I hear everything you're saying. Yeah, I I love the theater experience. Like I I grew up on film. Film was like my first, you know, creative love. Uh, I started into theater like in my twenties, first uh, via acting, and then I was already doing my own movies at that point too. So I was like, oh, maybe we should start doing my own plays as well. That's awesome. I love that whole process. And I've also been in the plays so far up to this point. So like while the directing side to your point is kind of like, all right, once it's off and running, you can only do so much. But as an actor, I am able to still like at least be up there and participating in like That's steering cool. things. Because I've been in those experiences where someone has dropped the line. And then like as an actor, I can kind of come in <laughs> yep. and uh, help get things back on track. So yeah, every now and then I'll just come up with a story that I feel like, oh, this needs to be done live. Yeah. Forever. It's just there's something about it. Like there's a lot of reasons you can go into, but for the sake of not me not rambling right now it's just like a feeling of like oh i need to share this experience live because you know as with filmmaking everything is like little things you know the little nuances and whatnot right you can have a close-up shot that like shows something yeah, and yeah. it's that's not the case in theater you have to communicate it through something yeah else. yeah so i find it really gratifying. like i love thinking about things like in terms of like oh this moment is going to work on stage versus this moment is going to work in the film and sometimes there's a lot of overlap, but sometimes it's it's fun finding the little differences for me. Because mm. I also get really obsessed with like to get in the minutiae of things and like and I also really love like doing the a move. So I've done it once so far where I've done the play and then the movie after. And that oh, was cool. a really cool journey going from those, you know, writing the play, then the first rehearsals, and then doing the film adaptation and then getting in there with and editing. I edited it myself too and kind of like just that whole the shape of the whole thing. I love that. Anyway. No, I, I that's actually really interesting because I after I after we did the performance we only ran for one weekend, but I had a friend who's also a filmmaker come up to me. He saw the show and he's like, you have to make your play, uh, the second play, The Truth About Whispers. You have to make it into a film. You have to do it. And I, I looked at him and I was like, I, I love that idea. However, uh -huh. part of the magic of what we accomplished is it's a time travel play. So the way you experience the scenes is the same New Year's Eve party, four different times different. So there's overlap. Some lines are the same. Some lines are different. Some characters' responses are different. But in between all of that, you experience an ensemble of seven people pausing, rewinding, moving in slow motion, fast forwarding, mm -hmm. and all in synchronization. And it was magical. Yeah, and the actors are incredible because when I first showed up to rehearsal, I was like, hi, I've never directed a play. Um, by the way, <laughs> this is going to be the most crazy game of red light, green light you've ever played in your life. They were so game and they, they would add things every night. They would add things. But when I looked at him and was like, the reason why this will be a little bit tougher to just like directly translate into a film, and I am interested in pursuing that and maybe will, is because you're watching seven people do this in synchronization right in front of your eyes. There's nothing else right. there. It is live. And that is so cool. And I think one of the reasons why people were like, oh yeah, this is this is fun. This is different. I want to do that because I think you're right. You learn something new by taking the same story and translating it into a different format. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Part of what you said was like making the, the play experience magical in that specific way. Like, yeah, I and mean, who knows? Like some things just, you know, will just live as a play and some things live as a film. And sometimes, you know, they can be both. But it could okay. be cool at least for, like, to go on that journey and try to figure out like, okay, how can I bring that certain kind of magic to the film as well and like exploring it from a different angle and, and bring your, your anyway, yes. it all kind of, you know, it's fine. It's all, it's all yes. yeah, storytelling. I will do that, especially once I've gotten some distance. So I'll probably be calling you guys when that, when that moment happens and being like, all right, 
here we go. Take two. Help me. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Rain, you can also ask questions of us, by the way. This is totally I a full-on conversation. Then in that case, tell me about the stories that you like to tell, Alan, because I don't, I don't know a lot. Of, I know a little bit about Clinton's work just from what he posts, but I don't know a lot about your work. Um, all, all my stories are personal in some regard, for sure. Like, I love um, – I've gotten a lot more into genre films lately. I just wrote a script that's a – it's a horror script. It's like a horror thriller. Drama, a little bit co- like like I love writing things that are like comedy dramas or straight up dramas or sometimes straight up comedies and exploring things that way. Like with the comedy dramas, I like to be like as hyper lifelike as possible. But I also mm-hmm. love exploring very personal things that are you know and things that are on my mind a lot through the prism of a genre piece as well. Like I love crafting like the situation and then the rules within that situation. You know when you're bringing in supernatural elements or whatnot, and you get to kind of decide what are the rules, like how how do the things work within within these parameters, and then exploring things that are very personal through that kind of narrative. Uh, I find like so exciting and deeply rewarding. I want to keep going on that journey as well. I'm kind of ping ponging back and forth. But uh, I told Clinton I've actually like the last like year and a half, like as I was writing that horror script, like I probably watched more like horror films in that year and a half than like the previous rest of my life combined. And I really got into it. So anyway, I'm I'm going further down that track now too. That's yeah. awesome. I I love genre. I was gonna ask. So I watched your shorts. I loved them. Oh, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do that. <laughs> They're they're really 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 good. The stranger I thought was such a great concept. I mean, they're all great, but like uh, I was like, oh, I I really wanted to see that as a feature, as a proof of concept, as you said, right? So yeah, I'm most of the shorts I've made at this point have been proof of concepts. Uh, the stranger particularly has a very cool trippy uh, feature script waiting in the wings. It's probably five to ten million, Sweet. which is why it was being chopped around and got picked up, but um, in the waves and flows and changes of Hollywood, kind of got a little bit dropped to the side for now. But hopefully it'll come back. But yeah, it kind of ended up being a flipped on the head Hallmark Christmas movie that evolves, the feature evolves <laughs> and pursues sort of like a get out meets the shining, if you will. Like that's kind of where it feels like it goes. It gets pretty trippy. It's very fun. Um, cool. But I'm glad you liked it. Oh, I loved it. It's such a rock solid concept. It's one of those things where you see it, it's like, oh, well, that's got to be a movie or like, oh, like it feels like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's so like, you know what I mean? That's like, very kind. In the best Thank way you. possible where it's no, I, it, really well done. So I watched The Little Things as well, which I also enjoyed. So what brought you to that? Because everything else I watched was all all genre. Yeah, I was. And then. <laughs> yeah, that my one random comedy on my YouTube channel. Yes, uh, <laughs> I was tricked into that. It's Chelsea's fault. Chelsea is our, our producer, Chelsea Koga, <laughs> and our lead actress, actually. So she did a post that was sort of like, I think it actually was our, in our FSU film group, if I remember correctly. I don't know how she got in. There's occasionally a person who pops in and is like, I didn't go to FSU, but I'm just here. Oh, really? That's so funny. Like, I knew, when I watched the short, I knew who she was because she gets recommended and she's on the thing, Amazing. but she's not FSU. I think she just has a lot of FSU connections, so she's been a little bit, like, adopted. On her the for the crew. hustle. She's Yeah, her. she's great. She's a voiceover actress, primarily by trade, but she wanted to get into producing as well as acting. She put out a call for a horror director, specifically was looking to do an all-female cast and crew experience because she had never had that as an actress before. And I was like, hey, I don't know you. This never works out when you respond to these things on Facebook, but hi. <laughs> and she emailed yeah. me back almost immediately and was like, hey, yeah, like totally. Like, let me let me send you the script, blah, blah, blah. And then responded and was like, actually, how would you feel about doing a comedy? And I was like, well, uh, they say comedy is not that different from horror in the sense of like building to a beat, building to a laugh. Yep. All right, let's yep. give it a shot. Like I, you're you're paying for the party. Let's go. And so she sent me the little things, which was a story that her friend had written. And she's like, we're going to do it during COVID. We're going to do it under COVID guidelines and do it just very indie and see what happens. And she gave us a lot of freedom in terms of just being like, okay, let's talk about this joke. This isn't quite landing. Maybe we try this. And she was like, yes, please. Like all the collaboration vibes in the world from that lovely human. Love her to death. But it was totally something that I probably never would have chosen to do on my own just because it's not necessarily my voice as a storyteller. But as a filmmaker, right. it was so fun to just like step into something and be like, all right, let's just let's just try some things and I hope yeah. they're bright and vibrant and silly and relatable because the story itself is pretty straightforward. It's, it's a girl having a bad day at work and trying to make a friend and it not working out. And so we were like, how do we make this even more silly? And how do we, you know, add clock wipes in this silly film? Like just random stuff like that, just having fun. So that's what we did. It turned out okay. Uh, and we had a great time doing it. 
right? I'll support to responding to Facebook posts. When I, I was in Atlanta uh, middle of last year and I was just needing some work and I saw a Facebook post in one of the work groups about, hey, need a cameraman person for this, you know, one day on an indie feature thing. And I responded to that, had a good time. And then I became the DP and I've been like the DP on this horror feature, uh, oh you know, off and on shooting on weekends now and then. It's been a super blast, really fun time and making a little bit of money. And it's just like great people all off a random Facebook post. Now, that's amazing. most of those things aren't going to work yep. out that way. Don't get right. me wrong. I'm not saying they all do. You, you find but a it's lot like of you got to take the chance. Like, no, maybe not. But you're right. Like one should not become jaded because of that. You should still like reach out and try to find yeah. the people because they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So Chelsea actually emailed me just to like quick cap off that story. She emailed me recently and yeah. she had directed her own short and she's like, Rin, I had a lot of fun. And I was like, Great. How how was it? Do you like directing? How did it go? And she's like, I don't know if I'm meant to be a director. And I go, Okay. <laughs> tell me more. Tell me why. Cause not everyone is, and that's an important realization in a filmmaker's journey. If that's not your thing, that's okay. And she's like, Yeah, I hated having to be the person who had to make the choice. And I was like, see, Chelsea, oh. that's my favorite thing. And she's <laughs> yeah, like, I just thing. loved hearing everyone's <laughs> yeah, ideas and yeah. getting to know what they are. She's like, I didn't want to have to choose one of them. And I was like, I, uh, I see that. I see having choice and decision is a real thing. I get it. Maybe producer is better for you. That's okay. That's respectable. I don't want to produce. So welcome. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> she could be the shepherd instead of the uh, butcher. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's interesting to hear you say that. I think that's one of, yeah, one of the best things you can do by having experience you're curious about is learning that you don't want to do it. Like that's like the Absolutely. best outcome, I think, actually, even though it doesn't often feel that way. We've talked about it on this podcast a lot, but I acted in my second feature. Uh, I was like one of the co-leads uh, wow. and I hadn't done much acting before, but I had always been curious about that experience. And it was, you know, we shot it during COVID too. And I was just like, fuck it. What else am I going to do with my time here? And so I just jumped into it. I had the idea for my second feature, just the idea. And then we were in production like six weeks later. So that was like a whirlwind. But I had ups and downs of the whole experience. But I definitely learned like I just don't want to act like anymore. Mm -hmm. Like that itch is like totally scratched. Definitely nope, not for me. Not, for me. not my thing. Yeah, it's, it's not like the experience was like horrible or anything like that. But I just if I'm going to put that energy out there, I'd rather be directing something or writing or something like that. And it yeah. feels better to know that, you know. I told my actors on this play several times. I'm like, do not get COVID. Because if you get COVID, we don't have understudies, which means I will have to act the part. And no one wants that. <laughs> There's a reason I am behind the camera. And it is the fact that I'm I'm such a person who exists in her own head. I feel like I can't, I would, I would have such a hard time being present enough in my body to emote mm. and react in a way that an actor, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful skill. And I am built so much the other way that I think it makes me a really strong director and writer and storyteller but not in that way specifically. And I can yeah. respect that and appreciate that and be like, nope, that will not that will not be my thing. That's okay. Yeah. Do you have like a filmmaker or like creative like origin story, so to speak? Uh, was there like a story. moment where you're like, this is for me and you started like pursuing the path or, or anything I along do. those lines? I do. The way you describe it makes it sound like it's like my Marvel superhero. Yeah, origin, it should be that. Cool. Yeah, let's do uh, We should like all that. be so celebrated. <laughs> I do. So I went to undergrad for creative writing. I thought I was going to be a novelist. I still may be a novelist. Who knows? That's something I'm looking to pick up again this year. I have about four or five unwritten, not unwritten, un unpublished novels on my hard drive somewhere. So I need to go back to that um, soon. But I went for creative writing, loved photography, have been doing that for years. And I just ended up at this small university in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky. And they're like, hey, you know, they have a media program, right? And I was like, okay, I don't know. And what do you do with that? And someone was like, hey, we need a costumer on this on this film. Will you will you help us? And they were friends of mine. And I was a freshman trying to make more friends. And I was like, OK, sure. I don't know what that means. And it turned out to be this period piece that was being shot in this hundred year old village off of campus that had no electricity in overnights. It was raining. It was cold. Wow. And I'm sitting there in this little cabin freezing my ass off. And I'm just like this is so fucking cool. I must do this. Um, and I, I immediately went to the registrar and added media production to my major. And they had a film emphasis. They had live production emphasis. So I kind of got a taste of all of it. But that was kind of where it started. And then I got the opportunity to go to Sundance in my junior year and see like indie indie filmmaking at, at, at a really in-depth level because you're seeing like 10 films a day. And I was like, yeah. oh, you can tell stories like this. Okay, I get it now. And that was sort of the... Clinched it for you? 
Yeah. yeah. It's not anything too exciting. What are your guys? No, no, that's stories? a great story. Good story. I like it. I love story. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is yours, Clinton? She was asking. Oh, what's what, mine? What your story? Oh, yeah. I think she was asking. So <laughs> I was kind of like, I was kind of a kid who floated through high school a lot. I kind of like easily got honor roll and stuff without trying because just I guess my brain is well suited to he's saying that so casually but it, it's it's really like impressive I just, I, I just no no roll, it's yeah. not though Whatever. it's because it's like I, I don't own that because it's not like I did something to achieve it it's just like my brain worked well for schoolwork so it was not a challenge and I, I could not try and get good grades so I didn't really know what I wanted to do out of high school but I knew I wanted to do something creative and I kind of took like a six months off or so and I got my own apartment I grew up in Hawaii, by the way, and I was um, so that's kind of a relative to it. Casual. But, but, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in Hawaii. Just woke just, up, uh, you know, being brilliant. Right. Just no. just eating and breathing brilliance. Yeah. I have a friend, I have other filmmaker who grew up in Hawaii. Uh, I'll have to tell you about him after this, so you guys can look him up. He's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I was pulling out of the. I was like, you know, should I be a writer? Should I, you know, what should I do? Should I be a filmmaker? Should what? How, I can't just go be some person who sits away behind a desk or something like that. Not that there's anything wrong with that, actually. That was just young Clinton's opinion of that stuff, which is completely wrong now. And I was just pulling out of my driveway and listening to the song. It's by Deftones called Digital Bath. And I was listening to the song and then I just had this like vision of these images playing in my head to go along with the song. And it was just sort of of this couple having this like really terrible fight and the image in my mind was kind of like warping and very dark and distorted and stuff like that and after the song was over I just sort of had a realization I was like oh I was like making a film in my head and I just chose to pursue filmmaking like just right in that moment you're like oh I just I thought about it and I produced a film and now I'm a filmmaker great yeah, yeah, which is which is ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I've been on the path ever since. And luckily, you know, I've had it reaffirmed for me a bunch of times that this is where my passion lies. So it's been easier to keep the path. That's very cool. I like I like that a realization, though, that you should you are not meant to be behind a desk because I think I had a similar feeling kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. And you're right, because there are some people who like that is their safe place and like that's a happy place they that's what they want out of life because then they can go home and like the nine to five is a perfect i wish like, I regimen for them and i i know I, I do i do too maybe then i'd get more sleep but like that's a beautiful realization that i don't think i appreciated as a young person so i i liked hearing you say that that that's okay because it, it should be and there's even jobs within the film industry that cater to that which is awesome so you don't have to choose you can yeah. do either alan's got the origin story that i wish that i had i wish i had alan's or i'm just i'm, I'm oh. jealous of Alan and everybody's origin story who has one like Alan. Yeah, so jealous. So envious. I got to make sure I tell this correct. Well, I'm going to tell the super succinct version. I think if I miss something, Clinton, you let me know. <laughs> Honestly, what I remember is being like three or four and watching Ghostbusters and being like, well, I got to do that. I got to make these. And then so my parents got a camera when I was seven. I was already writing and performing little things by then around the house. And then, uh, yeah, we started making short film. Like, we'll just, we're, I tried making features when I was seven or eight and nine. It's basically like unlicensed sequels to like a lot of my favorite movies. The new Ninja Turtles movie, mm-hmm. you know, shot a day on that. Mm-hmm. A new Terminator movie shot maybe, you know, a day and a half on that. And trying to get all these other kids like excited about doing it too. And like conceptually, kids are like, cool, let's make a movie. But then after 20 minutes, they're like, let's go throw a ball around or something. I'm like, no. We've got, I've got this vision. Anyway, and then, uh, yeah, I learned what a screenplay was when I was 10. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write those. And when I was 11, got a Batman, (laughs) at Disney World, got a Batman Returns, how to write a screenplay book. And that's when, that was my first how to write a screenplay book was a Batman Returns tie-in. That's awesome. And then uh, I was off and running from there. Um, Yeah, I've I've always loved it. I've always loved acting and writing and directing and yeah, yeah, just the further things have got. Like, yeah, the you know, I just I love it more and more all the time. Love storytelling, love people. I love you know the collision of those things. And so the, I'm I, yeah. I'm so jealous of that because I feel like I just fucked around and wasted all wasted all my time as a kid. I should have been making movies. I wish I had, I wish I had been making movies when I was a kid. Like shit. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. I had some filmmakers that. We're, like we're friends of mine in Los Angeles and we gathered together and like watched our first films that we ever made. And of course mine, mine are from college and like they're, you know, a little bit rough. I think the first thing I ever made was a 30 second PSA that was about the bubble apocalypse. So like bubbles were taking over food supplies and it's just like the still shot of bubbles floating in front of this vending machine as if they're like aliens. <laughs> it's bad. But my <laughs> other friend, he's been doing what you described, which is making films since he's like, you know, came out of the womb. And he has this stop motion opening scene of 
Saving Private Ryan made with army guys that he made when he was like 10 or something like that. And I was like, this is next level. And I was like, oh, man. See, I would be so much better if I had known this was possible. (laughs) exactly. Imagine where your artistry would be if you had started at three years old like Alan. I can't even understand the depths to which (laughs) which your creativity lies. Like, I'm so jealous. Share your wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> that's really oh, the no. that's really the reason I started this podcast was just to talk just to pry about Alan's process and creativity over steal and over the knowledge, again. Steal it. Uh, that is you, kind of gen- yeah. like which if you listen to a lot of our early episodes, it's just me asking Alan a ton of questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, well, I appreciate it and still uh, the interest in, in me and my work, Clinton. <laughs> we met as Clinton and I met as and as far as our personal or we met as a mutual fans of each other's work from a That's a film festival. Beautiful. So that was a nice, lovely uh yeah. beginning. We just kinda each I still don't even remember who we saw each other's films at uh Dances with the Films, what, two thousand sixteen? Sounds about right. Or 2018. Yeah. 2016. Yeah, I think 2016. Okay. Anyway, I, I don't remember who reached out first, but we each uh you just did. Good message job. each other on Facebook with sincere uh, praise and appreciation of each other's works, and it just kind of built from there. That's incredible. Yeah. What a great filmmaking mm-hmm. meet cute. <laughs> yeah, it, it surely is. Well, it truly I, well is. I feel like a lot of people talk about film festivals as if they're going to like launch your career in some way, or you're going to have some sort of actual tangible takeaway and a lot of them is that's not the case which is kind of unfortunate but i find that most of the things that i hear are taken away are those types of friendships that like connections Mm -hmm. which is beautiful yeah yeah absolutely speaking of creative process i wanted to ask some questions about your creative process but a way into this a little bit so i worked at new york film academy for a long time for like five years so this is this is like a story i'm telling because it's an example of like this industry and like how everybody's like connected and stuff like that totally so one of my classmates i got him a job working next to me his name is bryn hubbard who was Ah, dating your Roommate, roommate who's one of your classmates nikki nikki yeah who's Love great nikki. nikki's awesome Bryn is also awesome i remember Bryn remarking at the time in a totally positive way so please please but like he was just sort of like yeah i never see Bryn. she's just locked in her room all the time working is this is this <laughs> true is this is this this is, is this a reflection of your work ethic do you feel like you have a very strong work ethic and if so like where does that come from i love this like third degree uh spying that's happening here uh no actually that's very funny because i he he was with us for a short time in terms of like we kind of were at the top of covid and like all clustered together in this in this three bedroom townhouse for a while and it was it was it was tight tight quarters for everyone in los angeles and covid and i'm sure other other places in the world as well this leading up to that i had a full-time job in santa monica we lived in highland park which if you know anything about los angeles and rush hour it meant i was in the car for about an hour and a half two hours and you know working all day in in branded content and advertising which is a lot of my job was creative fortunately which taught me a lot about the creative process, the pitching process, the development process. But it meant by the time I got home, I was A, exhausted, and B, had about two to three hours before I crashed into bed and fell asleep in order to work on anything that was mine. So as an introvert and as someone who is like, has to be focused because I'm like, if I have any sort of sounds or other things, I want to be engaged with those other things. I found that the only way I could write is if I locked myself in my room, which felt totally mean Mm. and terrible. But like when I would come home, everyone's like in, in the living room and cooking food and wanting to talk and watch movies. And I was like, this is something I desperately want to be a part of. But if I do this, I'll never write a feature script. And I was in the middle of one of Mm. the biggest feature scripts I'd ever written, which is called Elle. And it's this huge monster movie that takes place in New York. And I was like, I have to figure this out and I have to get it done. Otherwise, it will never, ever get done. So it is definitely true in the sense that like when I have to get head down and finish something, I do kind of have to like, I kind of feel like like a hermit crab where I just have to like go into my shell and be like, hi. I don't, I love you. I don't see you. I won't see you all for a long time. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, But I write really quickly. It's just, I have to like kind of almost shed all other distractions in order to get it done. So that actually happened for the truth about whispers in a couple, in a couple ways, the play that I just directed when I had to finish the script, it was a similar process where I was like, I looked at my partner and I looked at my cats and I was like, okay, I'm going to this coffee shop. I am leaving. I will be gone for four hours. Please do not text me or call me unless it's an emergency. I am just putting in my headphones. I'm listening to rain sounds. I am writing. And that is it. Because if I don't, if I stay in a home, I'm going to want to clean up this thing. I'm going to want to watch this movie. I'm going to want to do this thing. I'm going to want to cook food. I'm going to want to whatever. And so I have to like almost put myself on a proverbial island to finish a project because otherwise I'm like, well, I could be doing that thing. 
or that thing yeah. or that thing. And it works well for me because I'm an introvert. So once I have made that choice to like rescind into my own like kind of brain and imagination, I get very productive, which makes it very like beneficial for me to make that choice and to put up those boundaries. But it does take a lot because I feel like I'm missing out and I'm, I'm missing the people I love, which is always a bummer. So how about you yeah, guys? Yeah, I mean, you... and that's great. I mean, and I don't know if you did in there, but like you should never apologize. For that. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about is like you have to make space for your creativity. Like the, the world is not going to make space for you to be creative. You have to right. punch and claw and scrape and elbow to create that space for your creativity right. yourself. And a lot of people don't do that. And it sounds like you did a good job of doing that. What I hear reflected there is it's not always an easy decision to make because there is things that you have to m- miss out on and say no to and not give into and you have to have that sort of level of discipline if you're making that choice conscious it's great like consciously it's great but like a lot of people just expect the creativity to happen without them making the space for it and it's just not going totally and i will say like that process usually is limited mostly to the writing process for me like if i'm shot designing if i'm doing casting if i'm you know sort of outlining a new project like that is a much more casual flow that i don't like I, i don't have to like lock myself in a bunker or anything like that. Like it's more of writing that I want to stay close to the piece until it's done and kind of like really carve out sequential days where I can like really focus. But Mm -hmm. for most part, like the rest of the process is a lot more open and I can take it and then put it down for a couple hours, go do something else, hang out with people, like whatever. It can be much more casual, but it's the writing process because it's so internal that I find I'm better and more productive when I'm, yeah, locked in a little bit. How did you come to developing that process for yourself? Like, was there steps to arriving in that place? Because, like, the thing you're talking about there is, like, it's good. It's what I think a lot of people need to do. But a lot of people don't get to that place, mm. right? And so I I'm guess I'm curious, like, how yeah. what do you credit your being able to develop that kind of, like, discipline and stuff? And I will say, like, I to preface this answer, I will say that there are a lot of people I know who don't do that because they have, you know, they have kids, they have a spouse, they have whatever um, obligations in the real world that they have to, they can't just sort of like, you know, disengage for a while and be like, hi, bye, I'll see you later. I'm going to go write this thing. And they are incredibly successful and still somehow work out how to do the creative process. And I, I, I desperately wanted to speak to some of them about their methods of focus. Yes, please tell us, tell us all your secrets. But (laughs) for me, this This format kind of came actually from the beginning because when I was in high school, that's when I found creative writing. And the reason why, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get back into Rin's history here. So when I was 12, (laughs) I, how would you say this? Curated, achieved, was diagnosed with a disease that is only seen in 70 year olds. It's called osteomyelitis. And it can be seen in children, but the way I had it was right above my femur, like right above the growth plate in my knee. Um, and that's only seen in elderly people. So when I showed up at the mm. doctor's office, they finally figured out what was going on. They're like, what are you doing here? You are a young child. And basically what it is, it's like a cavity in the bone. So it's an infection that's eating away. And if it hit my growth plate, my leg would be like about six inches shorter than the other one. So surgery right away. I spent a summer in a whole leg brace. It was a whole thing. I'm absolutely fine now, but I had to do something for that summer. My mother was ready to kill me. So mm-hmm. she's like, you are going to get this creative writing tutor and you're going to learn to write and you're going to learn to tell stories because you love to read. And this will wow. hopefully occupy your brain and allow you to travel while you are stuck in this brace. And for those who don't know, I was homeschooled up through college. So a lot of my academic life was either in co-ops or field trips, but like for the bulk of like everyday work, I was allowed to be home. And so I would finish all my schoolwork pretty quickly because I would focus on that. And then I would get to just write novels for the rest of the day if I had finished everything that I was supposed to be doing. Like for anyone concerned, like we had state tests we had to take like every year like we were very well regimented and um i you can look at my transcripts if you want like i i know my stuff and my mother did an incredible <laughs> job but the freedom and Wind autonomy out. Out for a second. Yeah. <laughs> the freedom and the autonomy oh. that that like schedule allowed was so perfect for the way that my brain works because i would just like go in my room shut the door and for several hours just write in my little composition notebook about dragons for hours on end and just like basically paint the world in my brain which is something kind of similar clinton to how you you were describing about like writing that movie in your head while listening to a song or like developing the shots in your head. It reminds me of sensory deprivation. You just sort of like let the outside world go for a bit and like exist in a story. And that Mm -hmm. is, I think Mm -hmm. because I 
found writing in that way, it has been something that is kind of carried through no matter where I go. Cool. I love that. Great explanation. Thank you. I love stories like that too, where it you know, came from a, a, a difficult time for you. I love that your mom kind of introduced you to creative writing as well. And I, I, I love that. Yeah, she's she's a cool lady. She's She does not a creative person by she has told me that she's like i'm an accountant i like numbers i don't know where you came from but she was able to recognize that in me which i am forever grateful but ellen oh, how do you great. how do you that. do the life thing with spouse wife kids whatever dog creatures whatever you may have around you like how do you focus in well i don't have a dog so then that obviously helps out but no Minus um, one. <laughs> it's not- <laughs> yeah, I've told Clint before, I basically had to re <laughs> it makes it sound more dramatic than it is. Or I don't know, I kind of had to relearn my creative process and because I used to do the thing where I would like, you know, when I was single, just write, write, write for hours on end until, you know, 3am or whatever it was. And it was that, you know, some days it was that simple. If I had no other obligations that I don't know the places I had to be at or no other responsibilities on that day, I could just go. So then when I got together with my, with my wife, we had our first kid, Lyle, I basically just had to learn how to carve out like very minimal amount of time or basically I had like for, for a while it's like felt like you know have no time and then I started realizing like okay even though I can just grab like 15 minutes here or there because initially I was like well how do I get a real train of thought going like I'm used to when I'm writing if I could only grab 10 or 15 minutes mm. some days because some days it was literally just that and I kind of learned like a process for me of like of note taking and note organization I love organizing stuff anyway I love my Google Docs I love you me know too. putting things into categories and it's whatnot like a so like basically it's like yeah yeah exactly so I just had to go further down that rabbit hole if you will and just like learn a way for me to like to be able to, to pick it up and put it down because I had to write very incrementally in a way I just wasn't used to like I used to you know at least write like for a few hours in a row but for months and months and months I wasn't ever able to get a few hours in a row right it's only until recently now that so my sons are are four and two rivers two Lyle started preschool like a little less than a year ago and river started a few months ago and then so yeah so now that i'm able to carve out more like i basically i have my my schedule while they're at, at school and i do my jobs and then the, the time i'm able to carve out within that to write but i had to basically like i had to go from very very minimal to almost almost no time and just kept chipping away staying focused and i would always have these stories and i think a lot of it helped because i wrote my first script when i was like 14 i learned you know self-imposed structure mm-hmm. i had to teach myself because i'm like no one else is waiting for me to write this script like if i'm going to make this happen yeah like you're talking about earlier it's like it's down to me to make it happen so i have to structure things and like set deadlines for myself and i have to stick to those I'm starting to learn that discipline at, a, at an earlier age like really helped me as i continued on in life because i remember like in my 20s like living in basically what was a party house I remember writing in my car, like having a laptop and just like typing in my car or like having my notepad and like sketching out notes. So like I kind of kept going down that track and then I just kept moving the ball forward. And, you know, as a storyteller, too, you've always got like you've got these stories that you have so much conviction about. They stay in you for like for years. Like sometimes it'll take me years from like the initial seed of an idea to actually writing the script. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like a decade. Yeah. But if it's something that means that much to me, like I'm going to find a way to make it happen. And I think when you have conviction about something that you learn how to like. Yeah, you, you're gonna make it happen one way or another. Yes. And then now I'm in a good. Now we've got we've got a baby girl on the way in, in three months. Anyway, you just figure it out. So <laughs> things feel really nicely balanced right now. But that's kind of like you know it's kind of hard one. Like you have to really work to to get to that point. Yes. And that's definitely not always the case, and it can be very fleeting. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you make you make it happen. But uh. But yeah, that's really impressive that you have figured out, Alan, how to how to kind of make that work in a sporadic sense, because I know a lot of writers are in a similar sort of process where they're like, you know, what, life does not afford me to go and write for four hours in the morning or anything like that. And and with your kids in preschool, that seems like it may allow you that now. But that's really cool that you it, can it adapt. Kinda, yeah, because now it's basically it's all I mean, so much of it. And I think you learned this, too, from being a filmmaker, I mean, so much comes down to time management and organizing like, okay, like, again, like the things you have conviction about making sure you carve out the time for those and uh, just scheduling your own life like accordingly. So I have my job, like I do like, you know, different different jobs as well. And then within that, like, so I still can only sometimes carve out like 30 minutes a day for writing. But the point is I'm able to, I do that. I make a point of doing that. Yeah. And I feel like too, as a storyteller, if you deny yourself that, like just completely because I know some people who just like let go of certain things like as they get old and they feel like well you know life and whatnot and I'm like well you're also that's to the de- I feel it's to the detriment of your loved ones and the people mm. around you I think when you aren't like because I've been again I've been a storyteller my entire life 
Um, I've always loved it. That's always how my brain has worked. So like if I were to all of a sudden stop or just, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not like really an option. Guillotining that a part of your personhood at that point. Yeah, it's no, it's no good for anyone. And I find too that like as a storyteller, like I'm contributing some. This is something that I have to say I have to do. Totally. And my kids pick up on that. And I love that my kids like, you know, because now everything is through the filter of like, how can I be the best parent I can possibly be? How can I be? And part of that is like, how can I be the best example I can be for my kids? Yeah. And I think, you know, by them you know, seeing and experiencing like the way that I like, because it all, everything that we do ties in, right? So like the way that I, you know, meet the world, like moment by moment, the fact that I'm fulfilled as a storyteller, like contributes to that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So you can't deny like who you are. You've got to tend to that. And otherwise, because if you try like, so what you're saying earlier, like, I feel like. Sometimes you have to close yourself off here and there, but that's probably to the benefit of your loved ones as well when you are do have that time with them because if you weren't making that time to satisfy your creative impulses or to you know to give that contribution that you have to give, I think it would be detrimental to your relationships and to the rest of your your life that. personally. This is a bit of a It all ties in. <laughs> it yeah. all ties in. Uh, this is a bit of a departure <laughs> yeah. question for you guys, but it's something that I've been thinking about thinking about a lot recently this maybe over the past year is how do you guys prioritize or think about prioritizing time for inspiration versus the creative work. So one of the things that I've experienced recently is like, okay, I have, I'm splitting my time and I'm trying to make sure that I have enough time to write. And sometimes in the day to day, that means I'm not reading a book. I'm not watching that movie. I'm not what intaking as well as outputting. And I tend to put maybe a stronger emphasis on outputting because it feels like that's my contribution. How Mm. do you guys balance that have you found a balance for that? Do you not struggle with that? Where are you guys at with that? Because that's something I've been kind of trying to find recently. Interesting. Clinton, you want to? Yeah, I guess, you know, I still watch a lot of movies and stuff and I read things regularly and digest other forms of media. Clinton's like, and I have so... no problem with this written. I have I have no issue. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, you know, the problem for me is not getting caught too much by inspiration and, and not like getting too distracted, especially when it comes to like the writing process or you're in the process of like a feature film and stuff like that. Like, for example, once you've got a film in the can or you've got like a first draft or done or something like that, it's kind of like you want to start a new project has been my thing you know and I need to like resist the siren call of like a new project and stay dedicated and focused on the older ones and make sure I'm carving out enough time for the older ones and like that's Mm. where I'm battling with my motivation and stuff but yeah coming up with ideas that I am excited about pursuing isn't usually the the harder part for me it's just um yeah continuing to walk the path with each project to finish which you know I have like seven unfinished films right now so uh that have been shot and need to be edited and finished so you know uh it is self-evident that's so funny because i actually coming back to chelsea and the little things we had a conversation about her about her short with that was similar which is like ah, oh, there's so much momentum with production she's like and then you get to post and i'm realizing i've never actually had to go through post before and i'm like ah yes mm. post sucks souls it does <laughs> <laughs> and it's freeing creative in its own way but you're like ah, i don't have to get this done by tomorrow okay and then you sort of yeah. let it sit sometimes. And that's, yeah, I feel that yeah. pain. Yeah. Yeah, because it is a different kind of, like, like, again, like when you're trying to, you know, balancing everything and whatnot. I think for me, like post is, it can sometimes most easily get lost in the shuffle. But usually it's for like, for me personally, like for good reason. Like I have these other things that are more pressing that I have to get done now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about figuring out, okay, what do I have to get done now? What do I have to get done next? And being as clear on that as possible. And usually, uh, especially with like, you know, limited resources and whatnot, posts can be the thing that gets backburnered the most. Totally. But it's also so exciting when you finally do finish that first cut, that picture lock. And then the final things, it's like, oh, wow. Like, it's actually, it, uh, yeah. Yeah. It happened. It's yeah. done. There's, it's crazy. There's nothing more rewarding so. than finishing something like that. But you're right. And and post tends to involve a lot of skills that you have to outsource that you can't necessarily writing can just be you and and your computer. Yep. But when you get to post, it's like you need the expertise of so many different people. And like you yeah. said, on a limited budget, a lot of times that means pulling favors, which isn't the top schedule yeah. priority for those people. So then it can get kind of kicked down the road just for that reason alone, which is totally valid. And then you kind of lose a little bit of momentum and you're like, well, one day that short will come out. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm. No, this yeah, has makes yeah. me has a follow up question. So you don't find it hard to get up and motivated to like sit down in the chair and get to work every day, and it's harder for you to sort of create time to just kind of like chill and watch a piece of art or set aside twenty minutes to like read a novel every night. Is that the thing more that you're struggling with and like finding? I- 
prioritizing that kind of time? In this season of my life, I think that's true. I don't know that that's always been the case. I think it kind of changes with your, you know, what life looks like for you currently. For me, that is currently the issue because for my day job, I, I travel a lot on the weekends. So like UFC, I'm going to wherever the event is, which is incredible because it means I get to travel the world. And when I get home, it's like, okay, do laundry, do these things, do these things, do these things. And just yeah. like exist as a human. And after I've gotten yeah. those things done, it's like, okay, time to be creative because if I don't, then I'll never be creative. And that is sort of where it comes in because if I sit down and watch a film, if I sit down and read a book, it's suddenly that like guilt creeping in that's like, mm-hmm. but you're not working on your own stuff. And so that is kind mm. of I gotcha. where where I have been prioritizing my life. And, and mm. at the end of the day, you're exhausted and you're like, well, I'm not going to be focused on this film and taking away what I want to take away from in order for it to change me or influence me. So I think what I probably need to do is start to like maybe delineate days and be like, okay, these days, let's try to be creative. These days, let's try to like input. So that way it's an equal ratio of input and output. Because I do believe that like as a creative, you do have to intake as much as you create. Otherwise, you're just sort of creating the same thing over and over and over and like you're not growing. Yeah, this this I this actually sounded a lot to like me maybe like five years ago or so. I definitely had the thing of like I would have a really hard time engaging with a like a, a movie at home and just relaxing into it and like enjoying it and stuff. But even though I thought it was important and I would have that same voice of like guilt, like why? What are you doing? Why are you need to be doing more work? There's so many things to do. How can you take some time? To right. Just you said here? you wanted to be a filmmaker. So why aren't you making Yeah, it's so hard to be a filmmaker. <laughs> like you're never going to make it if you aren't working constantly. And there was two things that helped me break that, which is one, whenever I would like want to relax and that guilty voice crept up on me and wouldn't allow me to relax, I'd like go out for a run and do like a quick jog, like a 10 or 15 minute jog Just to kind of like the break. Yeah, break me out of that voice, and then I would be able to, to, like, get on with whatever I wanted to do. And the other thing was, like, yeah, being very intentional about, like, creating a ritual and intentionality around watching the film. That's cool. And internalizing it as part of, like, my creative process to Mm, appreciate, you know, and, and going to the movie theater, that's one version of it, but even at home, it's, like, I'm going to like create, have like some snacks and like a meal and like something to drink and something to eat. And like, this is the siloed time for me to enjoy Mm -hmm. the art that I'm also participating in creating and like telling myself over and over again, like, no, this is part of the process as well is kind of how I, I made that space and and allowed myself to stop guilting myself for, for making that space. Yeah, that's cool. So I think that's smart. Do you guys find like for me, it's like, it, yeah, just like, I don't know if you guys have like literal to-do lists. I love my to-do list. I have many, yes. And if I put love it on them. my, if you put it on your to-do list, like watch that movie, like then it, maybe that just innately, you know, gives it more of a sense of importance or whatnot. It's like, oh, well, it's on my to-do list. I got to carve out that <laughs> couple hours kind of thing. <laughs> It's on the list. I, I can't check it. But, but yeah, allowing yourself that, like Clint was saying, like I, I too like can relate to you know a lot of times of, of guilting myself or being too. I'm definitely someone who's too hard on myself. I think that's a common thing that we all have based on this conversation alone. But I think that comes from like you know having a good work ethic and having these things that you want to do and want to get done. So like think that's kind of a a sometimes unfortunate byproduct of striving and whatnot is being too hard on yourself and guilting yourself. So. Yeah, like I think the more we can allow ourselves that space as much as possible to, yeah, yeah. Again, it all ties in. It all ties in. I guys. think I, I, you know, I think what we're describing is is like we're all do I DIY filmmakers, right? Like we are the people who yeah, have to. Totally. We, we, if no one else is going to help us, we're going to do it anyway. And it, it's something I actually yep. say to any. I usually get college students every couple of months, like email me and be like, "Hey, can we jump on a Zoom and talk about it? Like, what have you learned? What do you recommend? I'm about to graduate." And the first thing I usually tell them is, "You can't really expect if you want to be a director or even a writer for someone to want to make your film and pay you for it, like as a livelihood. That's just like it's not a reality that's easily obtainable out of college. It's it's just not, and that's or okay ever. because <laughs> or ever maybe." Yeah. And that's exactly it. What I tell them is you have to be okay doing this on your own forever. Like you have to be passionate enough to be able to find yeah. a way because hopefully someone comes along and hands you a check, but very likely no one ever will. And you have to love it enough to do that. And I think most recently yeah. I've been finding Alan, what you're talking about, which is like kind of that making space for the rest of your life, because that is only going to make you a better artist too. And if, if you're too hard on yeah. yourself the whole time, you're going to burn out and no one will care because 
no one cared. But yeah. if you if you can make a balance, I think that's where I'm I'm still I'm still reaching and I probably will be reaching for that my entire life. But oh. that like journey of trying to like incorporate other things of hey, let's go like go for a run like Clinton said. You know, today we're not going to even open our computer like because that's okay. And like that means mm-hmm. that tomorrow I'll be stronger for it. Like all of that is only going to benefit your art cuz what benefits your art is being a good human and that's what I'm yep. I'm starting to learn, I think. Which I didn't well, but know let, early let, on. Let us let us not forget though cheers to you let's clap for you for having the work ethic that you do for showing yes. up and doing the work and having that discipline because like Yay, work ethic that's the rarer thing yeah. and that's the harder that's thing and that's, that's the true. thing that most yeah. people get done so like first like appreciate yourself for showing up for putting right. in the time for putting in the work and don't take and that then, for either yes that's a good point. yes uh, but there is a balance to be achieved there for sure. Totally. Yeah. But but yeah, it's a lifelong journey for all of us. I mean, as it should, you know, is, is uh, striking that balance a day in and day out. But yeah, like you said, yeah, yeah, being a good being a good person first and foremost, and like, yeah, Clinton and I. I mean, this is why we, you know, it's why we do this pod too. Like, it's, you know, and the, it's called Story Life because we're always constantly talking about the balance of things in our yeah, lives and yeah, our work and back sense. and forth the way it all flows in and out. So, uh, and a lot of our failures. Yeah, let me, how we let failed me ask to you do this. that stuff. <laughs> There have been none of those, Clinton. I, <laughs> Not a I, I don't know what you speak of. We never of. fail. <laughs> My, I guess if if we are nearing our wrap-up, which I sense we may be, um, yes. yeah. then my last question for you guys is this. What is your like secret... It can be a creative hack. It can be creative inspiration. Something that's unexpected for you that like you are like, ah, yes, this this inspires me. This like helps motivate me. It's random and I get no one else probably has this, but like, what is, mm. what is your sort of, uh, secret sauce, I guess, as a creator. And now I have to think about it. Cause you're going to ask Ooh. me what mine is. Oh no. Do I have one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of something fresh <laughs> that we haven't talked about on the pod a bunch. Oh yeah. That's um, hard too. So Cause you guys are, you're on episode. F- this is 40. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's that's impressive. Yeah. Well done guys. My honestly, like the first thing that comes to mind is like a lot of things I say are, are, are very cheesy because I'm a very sincere guy, Ren. So you know, a lot of things by default will be cheesy. But like life is like constant. Like I'm never one thing I never say. I'm never bored ever. Mm. Life is constantly inspiring. Like I love. I I'm very grateful for everything about my life, and so like inspiration kind of just God. It just kind of comes at me and like, I don't know, like music that like something will happen in my life that'll trigger something that gets me going down a path. And then I love to kind of like crystallize things, if you will, a little bit. Like I start putting a playlist together mm. early on. Like when I first have like a seed of a thing, I'll start like, you know, then I'm at like seeing scenes unfold or like just a certain feeling I'm trying to tap into. And sometimes I'll find songs like a song that I already love or whatnot will like touch in on that thing that I'm experiencing. So then I start just putting a playlist together love it. and then go from there. And then, uh. Yeah, then it's just question. I write down a lot of questions, question after question. But yeah, I don't know if that's so much the the secret sauce thing that you're asking for. But that's uh, yeah, that's no playlists are good. I love playlists. I usually listen to rain sounds, but playlists are good. Oh, I do that while I'm actually writing. Like I have Mm -hmm. the rain sound or just white noise. Like Clinton and I are both uh, yeah, white noise. Uh, Noise environments are important. Noise for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I think my secret sauce. I don't know how I came to do this. The power for me of just deciding that I'm going to get a fucking film done. Setting Mm -hmm. a date and saying, I am going to do this no matter what. Like, that's almost Mm -hmm. all of my films have come out of me just making that decision to do it and sort of like, no matter what, just sort of telling myself like, no, I decided to do it. We just got to keep going. We keep got to keep following that decision. And like once that decision is made, it's not made lightly, but once that decision is made, like it is serious. And like I've I've pretty much, yeah, like I've never failed to deliver on that. And just the power of holding myself accountable to when I make that decision to make something, I get it done. I think that's been really important to me. Hmm. That's a good way to make things happen. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. Where it's like usually once I get close to like a produ- like when I'm near the start like a production date, like okay, like this is like we have a good idea of like when my team and I can make a movie happen. About five months out from there, like I'll set a date, and like after I've clear, like okay, is everyone available during this time, during this time, during this time? Then I set a date. It's it's close enough where it's like you know we're not pushing it off too far, but it's also like a good enough amount of time for me to get things done to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the right amount of time where I feel like constantly incentivized, like okay. This is the date. This date will not shift because everyone has already like cleared it. Like it's not going to shift. Like if anything changes after this point, it's if someone else has to like rotate in, rotate out, whatever. Like this is the date we're going to start then. Yeah. And yeah, the more you kind of like, um, like Clinton, it all comes. Like, yeah, that accountability. 
Well, and I think that started for me in a small way because, like, I've talked about my sort of real, like, creative origin story in a lot of ways on this podcast, how I saw the puffy chair. And this started for me where I was like, oh, I want to do what they did in that movie, The Puffy Chair. And so I... I it was my first instance of like setting the date and sort of like I'm gonna make yeah. a one day shoot I'm gonna go do a movie just like I, I, I in that same style as the puppy chair and I just like I did it I pulled together a couple friends and camera and I just went yeah. out and did it and that was like really small circumstances but that showed me like I can just decide to make a movie yeah. and it is like I can do that and 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 pull it yeah. up by strength of yeah. will you know and so like. Uh, the projects have gotten slightly bigger since then, and I've pushed that more out to the extremes, but it's still all the same process of sort of just like resolutely deciding I am going to do this thing. That's awesome. Yeah, totally. Well, I think my secret sauce, if if we're talking writing specifically, is I don't sit in normal chairs. I don't know what this is. I've never have. I've like, I don't want to sit in like a desk chair. So I have an armchair by my desk or I'll take it to the floor. Like, I just like, I can't be, I don't know what it is. I'm like, I I can't sit like a normal person. I have to like be able to like spider over my computer and (laughs) just (laughs) somehow that's, that works better for me. But in terms of the whole filmmaking process, I think what I, what my secret sauce is I have, I always have the first creative option. I always have in at least a shorter project, something that is like new that I have never tried before, right? Like it's it's a mm. technique, it's a whatever. And I always have the like ideal version of that and, and the approach technically and creatively that will work the best. But then I have about three backup plans. So that way, what I have learned of this is like, almost always I will achieve one of them. And sometimes I'll even achieve a hybrid of them. But the beauty of it is I get to learn something without feeling like I'm falling. So I ever, never feel stressed about it because I get to try a thing. And then if that doesn't work, I have a whole variety of ways to catch myself on the day if I need it. And I have loved doing that. I've tried to carry it into every project because then I feel like I'm pushing myself every single time in a different way. Um, and it ends up making hopefully the shorts better as a result. Cool. That's great. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think we should, uh, we, we're all busy filmmakers. We unfortunately don't have time to just sit around and podcast all day, all day long. I know. We got to go uh, make those the, films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. I meant to talk about like grad school more. So maybe you could, if you wanted to come back another time, we could chat. Oh, about yeah. your grad school experience and <coughs> I would love that. whether people should go to grad schools and stuff uh, that would oh. be great oh yeah that's a whole dissertation we'll need a whole is there any way that. people can like support <laughs> you or follow you or yeah, call to action or anything like that that you want to shout out before you go Oh my God. Um, I mean, I'm on Instagram as cine.rin and I'm on YouTube as well, Catherine Ostman. So if you, if you're interested in what I do, that's where you can find me. Um, beyond that, I'm still working out what my next project is going to be after those plays, but I'm sure I'll be posting about it soon. So where can somebody buy your fancy hat you got on your female filmmaker? Oh my God. My female filmmaker hat. This is from my, um, (laughs) my brand film femme, which is, it's like an online store, um, that is mostly designs about, female filmmakers and and meant to support films in general so it's not like hugely successful yet but hopefully one day it will be um it's a great looking hat y'all should all go buy one it's a it's cool beanie love beanie uh cool well thank you you so much again for for being here yeah you're a great guest this is a great conversation and maybe we can do it again sometime yeah i know uh, in the meantime you uh you have our support you have our clicks you have our follows we you watch we will watch all of your films and give them the thumbs up in any way we can so yeah we'll hope to see you around thanks for chatting with me guys i will go now be inspired and go maybe write a script or something i'm sure all of this good conversation has only <laughs> lifted me up so thank you for having me great. awesome great love that Yay. thank you so much Ren. thank you all right thank you all guys right. see you thanks again all right bye have a good one, guys bye bye guys All right, that about wraps it up for episode 21. Thank you all for checking it out and listening to our interview with the wonderful Rin. Rin, we'll have to have you back sometime, talk more about grad school and Florida State and stuff. Indeed. Yeah, I had a blast uh, talking with her. I definitely uh, hope we get to do that again. Uh, One of the bonuses of bringing on guests is that we're introduced to more people's work, and I really loved her short films. They're a lot of fun. Uh, I believe she mentioned this herself, but just to really drive the message home, you can check out some of her work on YouTube at Catherine Ostman. Uh, That's K-A-T-H-E. E-R-I-N-E-O-O-S-T-M-A-N. Uh, as for us, you can contact me and Clinton at wearestorylife at gmail.com. Also, please check out our website, wearestorylife.com, where you'll find more information about us and what we do as coaches and consultants for fellow artists, as well as links to our Patreon and social media pages. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Clinton Cornwell. And you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter. <laughs> Sorry. I only laughed because it was such a short line for you right after my 
fucking chunk. Um, <laughs> the sandwich. The sandwich doesn't have a lot of meat. It's a lot of bread. A lot of bread with Alan talking. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah, <laughs> Alan, Alan, Joking. You're, Alan, you're, you bring the good content. You're saying all the words exactly Alan, that you need to see it, say. Alan Carbner, more like it, am I right? Because of all the bread. Carbner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Mike, keep mm-hmm, that in. Mm-hmm. Alan Carbner, more like it, am I right? Because of all the bread. Carbner. Mike, keep that in. <laughs> you can follow me on... Okay, here we go. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Vimeo at Alan C. Gardner. That's A-L-L-E-N-C-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. And on Instagram at Alan C. Gardner Movies. Also, Cold Feet is currently available on Amazon Prime, Google Play, and YouTube. And my other movies are available on several platforms, including Save Yourself and Act One on Tubi, and We Got Lucky and Bad Bad Men on Amazon. Also, also, folks, Being Awesome is now available on Tubi, Voodoo, and the Roku channel, so give that one a gander on any of those fine platforms. And thank you to the very kind and patient Mr. Mike Jimenez mm-hmm. for his wonderful work <laughs> sorting and sifting through our word soup. And thank you to our friends and family for all their support. I don't know how you eat soup, but uh, sorting and sifting through it sounds <laughs> awful. Uh, my, yeah, patient is a key word. Uh, thank you for the patience, Mike, and the kindness, of course. The most important quality of all, as we all know. Folks, we have many more episodes coming up, so please subscribe and join us next week. And this has been Clinton Cornwell. And this has been Alan C. Gardner. With Story Life. Have a good one, guys. Let me go grab my dog real quick. Sorry, he's barking. <gasps> I love a dog. He'll also be like, why is this room so echoey? And it's because there's nothing in it. And I'm sorry, Mike, it was this or having chaotic cats running around behind me. So I chose this. <laughs>